I feel the need, the need for speed. Ow! Welcome to the New Hampshire Journal podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham, managing editor at nhjournal.com, where I hope you are visiting regularly, where you are getting our daily newsletter, where you are following us on Twitter, New Hampshire Journal, or on Facebook, and where we are apparently doing award-winning journalism. And normally, Drew Klein of the Josiah Bartlett Center for Public Policy, that would be the big news for the podcast, big award-winning journalism from NH Journal. But you have even bigger, you stepped on my big news. You stepped in my sunshine, <laughs> walking on my sunshine. You steal my sunshine. I did, so what once. did Len say? What yeah. Did Look at this. Stole your thunder. Yeah. Exactly. So tell us the big, big, big news. Yeah. The big news is um, I'm getting a radio show. The New Hampshire Journal podcast was so incredibly successful <laughs> that. <laughs> the spin-off. I gotta, You're the spin-off. I gotta, yes. So I'm, so I'm like the, Mary Tyler Moore. You're like Rhoda. Well, you're probably more like Breaking Bad, and I'm more like Better Call Saul. Oh, okay, that'll more, just, yeah, something vibe. in this century probably yeah. be better. Yes, yeah. So, uh, it's that's this great. Has been in the works for a little while. Well, where and, is it? Uh, where can we hear it? When can we hear it? Give us the yeah, deets. So, well, so here's what's going to happen. Um, it is uh, AM radio, local radio in Manchester, WFEA. It's thirteen seventy AM, and this is important, ninety nine point nine FM. You can get it on either one. And it's it bigger than Manchester. It's the greater Manchester area. It goes all the way down to Nashua, past Concord. You can hear the signal uh, pretty far. So uh, if you're in the general region, you should be able to pick it up. And it'll be the 6 to 9 a.m. show. Wow. So we're going to do morning drive. morning drive time. And it's going to be a morning drive time show. So it's not going to be me ranting all the time. So oh, if that's God. what you're, you know... <laughs> <laughs> if, if, for the for the one fan i have out there yeah. who really wants that sorry yeah. to disappoint you um but it's going to be news and conversations so the idea is to have a show where we can actually just have conversations with newsmakers and you know not a grilling you know not ranting and yelling but just you know nice conversations so that the listener can learn something and my goal with this show is um that every segment will achieve one of three things for you the okay. listener you will be informed. Okay. You will be entertained, mm -hmm. or you will be outraged. <laughs> One of those three. <laughs> if I can achieve that in most of the segments, and by outraged, I don't mean that I will try to outrage you. It's just that sure. there are some subjects that we'll talk about that you'll go, right. I can't believe Absolutely. that people in Concord are doing that. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you can come away with one, I want it to be kind of a water cooler show. So if you are listening, hopefully the segments will be good enough that you, when you get to work, you're going to want to talk about them in front around the water cooler and, so and stream the them on your laptop at work while your boss isn't looking because the show streams online as well. It does. Yeah. If you yes. go to um, it's Manchester radio group. So if you just Google WFEA uh, in Manchester, you can uh, go to the website and live stream the show. Well, man, it sounds like you're going to work a lot harder than I, I didn't have a whole plan and all this stuff when I was doing talk radio, but that was, uh, that was uh, back in the day when you could get away with it. You got to work harder now. <laughs> yeah, so you're you more mean, competitive today. But you know what we should also point out, this is really kind of weird is that you came up through talk radio mm -hmm. and then switched over to, I, I we just still kind of maybe call it print, not print, Whatever, but writing yeah. journalism, exactly. you know, online, your, your written word, typing journalism, typing. I started out, talking, then, I ended yes. up typing. And, and now you're an award-winning journalist <laughs> for typing stuff up. 
I started off in the print world mm-hmm. and I'm now going over to radio. So see what this podcast is just kind of, it's the, it's it the stranger sh- things, you know, it's, it's the, we're in the upside down now. We're both moving, but neither of us are making any progress. As long as we cling <laughs> to this dying industry that is media, we won't be right. going anywhere. So we got that going for us, which is nice. Well, congratulations. I am very, very excited. I am bummed about the lack of ranting and I've got some ranting. Coming up in mere moments, but first, I want to do something that you're going to be learning to do a lot of, Drew Klein, thanking sponsors. And so I want to thank the sponsor of the New Hampshire <laughs> Journal podcast, my friend, Dr. Bruce Houghton, Dr. Bruce at PerfectSmiles.com. He takes care of my perfect smile, which back when I did TV a lot more than I do now, I had to have one and it was a pain in the neck. I thought it was going to be anyway. And then, no, he just took great care of me and i love the fact now that when i go to the dentist i used to be afraid to go because i always had hassles always had problems i'm just that's just not a thing of mine to be mr you know brush and flush after every meal kind of guy dr bruce has taken fantastic care of me for those of you who have been watching over the past years has become more and more common that people have gotten their perfect smile somewhere. They've gotten their smile done. They've got the smile that they want. And you've been waiting to go in because you've had two questions. One, you're afraid about the outcome or two, you're worried about the price. I would say, talk to Dr. Bruce, because the best thing about Dr. Bruce is he is the most straight up knowledgeable, honest guy. He'll just walk you right through. Here's what we can do. He can show you use technology to show you your future with a perfect smile and you can trust him trust him every step of the way. And I know because I use him, he takes care of me. Perfect smiles in Nashua online at perfectsmiles.com. So uh, let's start my award-winning journalism for 2022 now. And by the way, I should say, you should uh, say what award you want. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to give awards. you the credit because you're the one who said New Hampshire yes. Journal should enter this contest. We are proud members of the New Hampshire press association. And so they have a contest and you submit stuff. And so we submitted some writing in the, political journalism category, some in the editorial category. Uh, they have a category for digital presence, you know, basically how good does your site work and is it friendly and stuff like that. And then they had a first amendment category and we entered four categories. We won four prizes and we won first place in political journalism, which you got to admit, Drew Klein is pretty handy when your job is political journalism. You know, that's the one you really want to win. <laughs> and it's a, you know, that's a legit win. It's a big deal because yeah. first of all, political journalism is kind of an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of journalists who do this really all the time and they're veterans and they've been around a long time and you guys came in and kicked butt and produced some really strong content. And that was great. Um, and, uh, you know, the other reason why it's kind of a big deal is that it's New Hampshire Journal. It's a, it's a website that is doing alternative journalism. And so you, you don't have the marquee name on your application or on, you know, <laughs> on the content. And right. so you are really being judged by the content of the writing. And I think you ought to be proud of that. Well, I am. And I want to give a shout out to uh, Damien Fisher, uh, who also was part of the award-winning coverage and also a former employee who's now gone into the dreaded uh, flack sector uh, <laughs> where you kind of borderline things. Uh, Chris Maidman, who's with the Americans for Prosperity now. And so thanks to them. It was absolutely great. And I have one more shout out for you at the end of the podcast, Drew, and you're going to be stunned by it. So hang on. But I was going to start off with a rant about filing day. I, I We have one thing we don't do because we're a very small operation. We don't have reporters to send just every person that files just sit there. So I went up Friday because the governor was filing and Senator Hassan was going to file. And it was so fascinating, Drew, that you could kind of see the two pieces of New Hampshire politics. 
on the one hand, you had Chris Sununu, who literally walked in. He looked like he just like finished raking the yard. <laughs> I got to go five that election. <laughs> he just puts on a sports coat and rolls down his sleeves and comes in. No entourage, nobody with him, no fanfare, just five or six members of the press. And uh, he just talked. And it was part of the reminder of why Chris Sununu has been successful in New Hampshire politics. He's one of the top five most popular governors in the country based on polling. And he got asked questions about the spending he's been doing with the federal you know, money coming in for COVID. And he had ready answers. He got asked, you know, push back some questions on what can a governor actually do about inflation? He not surprisingly, you know, kicked around the congressional delegation as he's want to do. Then a couple hours later, I said, you know, I'm going to head over early to get my spot in the office for when Senator Hassan comes, because there are rumors that Senator Hassan is less than a fan of New Hampshire. She would not have awarded us an award is the rumor. So I got there very early and there was already a crowd. And the crowd was partially Hassan crowd and partially progressives who were upset about her shift in position on borders. She used to be very uh, pro-amnesty, anti-wall. She voted against the wall several times. Now she's pro-wall, pro-enforcement, and she wants uh, Title 42, uh, which is the health code rule that was used by Trump to keep people from coming across the border and just staying. It's now being used by, uh, by Joe Biden. And uh, progressives started doing speeches to the rest, to, to the to the uh, Hassan supporters and the Hassan supporters were getting upset because they didn't like the fact that they were calling Hassan's position racist and they're calling them racist. For and it got really tense. And as time went on, the crowd grew and it got more and more tense. And then they finally Hassan gets there and they are shouting and stomping and stamping. And the cops have to keep pushing people just to get her into the office. Now, you know, the secretary of state's office, right, Drew? Oh yeah. It's this quiet little place. Like they never close the doors, just open. And then people kind of stand in the hall and they lean in, they see their friends. So it's, you know, people running for president, you know, just walk in. You don't have to close the door. They had to close the door because there was so much noise. Here, I've got- And that door is always open. It is always. never, ever closed. So this is, I apologize for the quality of the audio. I wasn't really kind of recording at this point for anything useful, but you can, and then you can hear as I'm trying to ask Senator Hassan a question, we, they literally, the, the, the angry, you know, crowd by the way almost all democrats or a handful of republican like uh you know uh, from the party that they're waving the goofy you love biden signs and stuff but they weren't chanting or yeah no they were they were just there you know just to show up it was democrats and progressives going at it in the hall like the sharks and the jets from west side story and they they burst through the door they had to shove the door closed here you can hear it Democratic economists like Larry Summers have said that the $1.9 trillion of spending that you've been touting contributed to the inflation that we're facing. Uh, what would you say to people who said that your vote was part of the problem? Well, when you look around the world, inflation is happening in all developing countries, and uh, we are in a stronger position than many other countries. Now, our choice last year was to, whether, to let um, businesses go out of business and lay off workers or uh, help those businesses stay afloat. It was about whether to get frontline workers, uh, frontline law enforcement, the resources they needed. It was whether we were going to be able to support our schools so they could reopen in person. At the end of the day, though, we have to do a lot more to lower prices, and that's also why um, the bipartisan infrastructure plan is important in terms, in terms of, uh, let's just see if we can let yeah. Exactly. Um, what I don't understand, Drew, is 
in a quiet, small state like New Hampshire, where Democrats pride themselves on their unity, how they stick together, how they, you know, they, 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 they march in lockstep. Remember that letter that uh, Representative Rennie sent out, don't talk to New Hampshire journalists. There's like <laughs> Democrat on Democrat violence in the halls of power. And apparently it's only news at New Hampshire Journal. Well, <clears throat> you know, the, what's interesting about this is that it was left versus the left. Exactly. You know, this this was the, the yelling and the screaming and the anger and the calling her racist wasn't coming yeah. from Republicans. It was coming from the really activist left, which is supposed to be the energized base of the party. But these are people going out there out of their way and they know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. There's you don't come and shout at uh, a senator or U.S. senator <laughs> re-election. Um, hoping to change your vote right at this point you do it to get attention to get on the media to put you know sort of bigger pressure right. on her and to signal that um you know I, I think maybe in the back of your mind you might hope she she comes around to your point of view but i don't think at this point they're hoping that um because they tried to work with her they, they, they're frustrated because they haven't gotten through they know she's not going to change her mind and so this is to raise the issue publicly to embarrass her, to signal to other folks on the left right. that this is a candidate you shouldn't back, you shouldn't trust. And that's pretty remarkable that they would go out of their way to hurt her in an election year. And, and, and just and just so people know how rowdy it was, she had to flee out the back door. I didn't know they had a back door, but then she went around the back through oh, the back of the Secretary of State's office. And then she went through the council, not the council chambers, but the executive yeah. council have offices. And so she yeah. had to go through their offices and go out the back door because they didn't, the security <clears throat> did not want to let her go through back where the crowd was. This is an incumbent U.S. senator in a bluish state running for re-election. Yeah. I just, I was just really uh, taken back by it. So this is, this is the, 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 if you go to nhjournal.com, you'll see a post I wrote, piece I wrote about how the challenges Senator Hassan faced and, and PAP has faced on filing day are kind of the challenges they're going to face through the rest of the year. And I mostly focused on the issues problem, the inflation, gas prices, et cetera. But, but those two things, you just, and I'm so glad you mentioned this. One is, is your base going to turn out? Yeah. Is your base going to be excited? I don't see a lot of signs that the Democratic base is, is excited. And then let me give you one more, then I'll get your response. The other one is that no one's talking about, and I, even I forgot until Friday when I saw for myself, Sununu. No matter what happens, Sununu is going to be out, even if he even if he and the Republicans have their tiff going on, he's going to be out campaigning for himself and George Han Hansel, if no one else. Yeah. And the more he campaigns, the more he's going to get people who want to vote Republican. So he's going to be a pull to the Republican side. You've got this problem with the base on the Democratic side. I just... This is looking more and more just like a very tough environment for any Democrat in 2022. Well, it it looks really bad. And um, it, it goes in line with the Washington Post poll, um, or the poll the Washington Post reported on last late last week. And this is in the in the post with their own headline and their own reporting, uh, not a right wing outfit, that things are, are really bad for Biden, bad worse than people thought. And their argument for that was when you look at the polling, not only is he down into the 30s and 40s on support, he's down there on strong support, but um, he he has very little strong support exactly. among his base. Democrats 
are below 50, he's below 50% with Democrats saying they strongly support him. That's unusual. That's really uh, not normal for a president, even in an off year, in, in a year like this. And so um, that seems to be sort of pulsing through the whole Democratic Party. <laughs> There's, they're not, I mean, you look at Hassan and she's suffering the same sort of thing. It's the base is saying, we don't support you. And so that, and the other thing I just want to point out, Rich, it's to, to note that this activist protest could be the new normal. And I just think that's worth throwing out there that, you know, we saw, I mean, you were, well, your First Amendment Award, you know, Chris Maiman reporting <laughs> and right. getting arrested. And, uh, you know, Jason Osborne having people show up at his house. Yep. Sununu having people show up at his house. You know, Hassan having people come and pick at her and scream at her and try to push the door open. This sort of in-your-face, shouting, confrontational, personal um, effort to get to the to elected representatives is something that we're seeing it's a trend and um you know i think that's something that you might i just if you're filing for office you're thinking you're filing for office and you're not paying attention to this stuff um be prepared because it looks like this is becoming pretty standard fair and that's a bummer too because you know one of the premises of the new hampshire approach is you have 400 members of the house it doesn't really pay so that you yeah. can have average people just do it. It's yeah. just like, do your yeah. service and go home. And it's, you don't have to be a politician. You're not trying to be a politician. You're just, you represent your corner of London area, whatever. And that's it. And now if you're going to have to enter this, you know, firing line of people screaming at you, including people supposedly on your own side, it's just going to make it tougher. And the, I, I just, I see fewer, I, I don't see a lot of signs that we are, have yet started what I think is going to happen, which is the pendulum swinging back to normal and back to boring. And I think that's another reason why you mentioned how Biden's strong support is so low. That's a very astute observation. And in most of the poll polls I've seen, including the New Hampshire Journal poll, we polled Biden twice in two weeks and got very similar results. It wasn't just that he was underwater, basically 55-40. It's that, that of his 40, only like 12 or 13% was strongly supportive. Yeah, Whereas that, of that 55, really yeah, but in that 55, it was like 36% was strongly <laughs> unhappy. So by yeah. a three to one margin, the people who are most passionate don't like what he's doing. And I think in part, it's because there are people who really just wanted him to bring back normal and boring. Yep. And instead he chose to embrace this. I'm going to be the next FDR and we're going to do build back better and, you know, zoom and zoom and uh, spend and crazy. And, you know, we're going to call Republicans, all white supremacists, you know, uh, Confederates. And I'm like, how is this? This is not what anyone signed up for. And he's no, paying the price. No one. Well, except for the fringe, you know, the, there's this fringe left activist base that wanted him to go full woke and do all this stuff. And they're the only ones who wanted it. And they're not happy with it no, because not. he didn't go far enough. So not only did he uh, piss off the middle of the road, you know, suburban voters that wanted right. a return to normal and boring and the good old blue collar Joe, um, who would just not be in their faces every day and do mundane things and, you know, get things back to normal. Um, but he pissed off the activist left because he didn't go far enough for them. So now everybody's <laughs> mad at him. So let me ask you, am I being too, sometimes when you're looking for clues, you look too hard, you know what I mean? You turn a, mm. a, a molehill into a mountain. Uh, uh, a, a reporter asked Hassan at her filing, would you welcome President Biden up here on the campaign trail? And her answer mm. was, 
I would always welcome the president of the United States to New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. That that is a standard answer I have heard before. That's what Republicans would say with Trump. Exactly. So That's you know, what I so so it's so it is an answer that you give. It's a politician answer. It's the non-answer answer. It's well, you can't say yes, you can't say no. So, so you agree with me that his name is missing on purpose. Yes, that's It's not a big deal. And none of this is a big, you know, this is what it, but it's very frustrating, I think, for for candidates because they used to run campaigns is they would want to think that they could put some plan together and execute it. And then the outcome would be that they win the election. And I would say, you know, some years it just doesn't matter. Some years, the macro political environment, just the, the mood of the voters, whatever, you just, you're the wrong mm-hmm person wrong party wrong yeah. moment wrong time whereas if you do it at the right time you almost can't be stopped you know what i mean mm-hmm. and uh i just i think for a lot of democrats at, you know december's going to roll around and no one's going to say oh my gosh you were a terrible candidate or you did a lousy job you know running or anything. they're just gonna say i'm oh, sorry you were a democrat that was it and i think that's yeah. where we are yeah um i want to ask about one last thing before we get to the other shout out i have to do for you which is um I've been surprised at the number of people who I'm talking to New Hampshire politics about and the issue of housing comes up mm. because for me, I hear housing. I, I, mean, I, you know, I want to talk about it. cultural style, get in a fight. You know, of course, if I'm listening in the mornings to WFAE radio, I'm going to hear insightful, informative conversation about topics, not just screaming and yelling. Right. It, it, yeah. And, and exciting too. Like, and exciting. We're going to, we're going to make housing sexy. That's, oh, all right. That's that's, I just don't want Drew Klein and sexy <laughs> together if I can avoid that. Um, but so explain to me what's, so what's going on in, you know, Sununu tried something, didn't get through. Oh, yeah. So what is kind of the big picture of where New Hampshire's own house? Are we still fundamentally a state of NIMBYs? We're trying yeah. to draw. The I mean, drawbridge. so that's the number one problem, and that's why this stuff didn't pass. So there's a, <clears throat> well, put it this way: <clears throat> there's a perception among elected officials that, in at the local and state level, that the public doesn't want apartments, the, pus- the public doesn't want more housing, the public doesn't want this, and they have that perception because a small minority of NIMBY voters shows up at all of these town board meetings and, um, you know, and rants against it. And that same minority of voters <clears throat> gets on Facebook and rants and, and then goes on Twitter and rants and then calls their elected representative and rants. And it, we know it's a minority because the polling consistently shows that people want more housing. And the St. Anselm College poll that came out uh, two weeks ago said, I mean, that was consistent with our polling that we did last year, but even now, a year later, the desire to build more housing is um, growing. And their poll was really important because it said, it had always said, do you want more housing in your community? And people would say, yes, you know, you get a majority for that. They said, do you want more housing in your neighborhood? That's a little different than community. It is. And they still said yes. Wow. That's how severe the situation has gotten. So we did a little bit of of a look last week at Manchester to give an example of why we have this housing problem. And I just want to run through some numbers real quick. And as I said, it's going to be very exciting. Um, In 1970, Manchester had more than enough um, rentals. Now, I look specifically, you know, we try to gauge rental housing, but it's it's all housing units here. Um, in, uh, In 1970... Manchester had 36,024 total housing units. 
by 2020, and this is using U.S. Census data, right? It had 49,445 units. So that's a 37% increase, which is a little bit better than Worcester, Mass. did. But if you look at other New Hampshire communities, Salem, its number of housing units in the same time period of 50 years grew by 76%. Wow. Nashua, 80%. Wow. An 80% increase in housing units in 50 years in Nashua. And Derry, 216%. So Derry, Londonderry, I mean, these towns that are booming now right. are booming because they built houses. Mm-hmm. That's why those towns are that the, re- the only reason we have a Tuscan village in Salem is because those communities along the border um, of Massachusetts built a lot of housing. We now mm-hmm. have enough people there to support that kind of thing. So Manchester just didn't do it. And that's an example of if you restrict your housing too much, you're going to hurt yourself in the long run. It'll slow your growth rate. And people, I've had people push back and say, oh, Manchester is where all this housing was built. It approves stuff all the time. (laughs) Um, Not really. It uh, maybe approves stuff more than some of these small communities now approve things. But over time over the last 50 years it's been really slow it did grow but it grew at a much slower rate than a lot of other places and And that's a hard um, thing you know this and this thing about for numbers that people say well my gosh i you know there's they must have a new approval every whatever you know three weeks well yeah well in a community that's a hundred thousand people you're just going to have a lot more activity than the community that's ten thousand people it's all about the rate of growth and if you want your town to stay vibrant it's got to grow from where it is you know, not from some magical number somewhere else. And so and, and the Manchester's growth, like when I moved to New, when I moved to Manchester in the early 2000s, there was 110,000 people. There's barely more than that now, 20 exactly. years later, That's because crazy. they haven't built enough yeah. housing. And, uh, you know, it's all as you and I've discussed when it comes to housing communities growing, you want your schools not to shut down. You want your communities to stay alive. You want your kids to be able to live near you. The uh, Shawshank Redemption theory of of uh, housing and urban life: either get busy living or get busy dying. Those are your That's only right. two options. You're either growing your community and making it a vibrant place with new housing and new opportunity, or your community's dying and people are going to the other community where they can mm-hmm. uh, find housing they can afford. Okay, so my big final shout out to Drew Klein is this. Yes, Drew Klein, I did it. I went to see Top Gun. And the reason I went, or the Top Gun Maverick, the reason I went, despite the fact that the first one is awful, is because my wife told me we were, my wife, who hates action, I'm saying hates, but is not an action movie fan, hates Tom Cruise. She insisted that we go because every woman that she knows has seen this movie and loved it. And so we went, and I got to tell you, you were right. It is a great movie. It is a lot of fun. It's a good movie. It's an actual good film. Now, at some point, I, don't, I think it's too early because of the spoilers. I, there are some things that I think you would have caught pretty, you know, yeah. you pretty to, early. There's like you know, willful suspension like, of disbelief. You yeah. just got to set that there's aside. One, whatever. There's one. There's there's one tactical thing about the mission mm-hmm. that is just so glaringly obvious that I I cannot believe right. that the so I watched this thing where pilots like actual Top Gun instructors yeah. saw the movie and then afterwards right. they, and they loved it they were like yeah it's yeah, a lot of fun played. exactly but they were like technically the plane stuff was great it's exact it's realistic it's much better than what so anyway it's great 
Um, but there's of course a few you do things. know that they stole the plot from Star Wars. Oh, it's a total Star Wars ripoff. Star it's Wars, exactly the whole, they're one step the away from having R two D two roll out in the middle of the. It movie. is exactly. Star Wars. The the military part of it is Star yep. Wars, which of course now we've had like four movies that are the exact same plot. You know, <laughs> Star Wars and and what well, are the recent ones anyway? Um, but yeah, it's 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 worth seeing, and I, I want to go see it again in IMAX because the jet stuff was so fun. Well, it was. It's a lot of fun. If you haven't seen if you, it, and uh, the theater was very full, and uh, I overheard at least wait, wait, the theater was full. Yeah, what I have. I, that's I've not been to a full theater in years. I I've gone on Friday night. I've gone on Saturday nights. Just recently, empty. Well, this is the first movie so I've, that's, I, I, I've been that's to two movies in the COVID era. I went to see the James Bond final Daniel yeah. Craig one because I have a huge man crush on Daniel Craig. And so I saw that and there was, I mean, I, I might as well have been in my living room, but it was like nobody. Yeah. It was, it was a, it's like a Saturday evening and there were seven people in the theater. But no, this was the theater was, it wasn't 100% full, but it was very close to full. And I that's heard great. probably 25 people during the course of the two hours, you know, coming in and the back, you know, stand by the bathroom and all stuff. You hear people mm -hmm. talking saying first movie they've seen since COVID first time we've been out oh, to wow. a movie. And I would say it's a good first movie to come out to. Yeah. So that's, there you go. So uh, top gun Maverick, see it quick. And so uh, in a couple of episodes, we can do a spoiler, spoiler alert filled breakdown of, of the things about it that you just have to pretend aren't there, but you know, yeah. it's easy. It's just too much. You, it's easy. They're no, having it's too much fun. And There's Miles actual character development. Miles Teller, who plays the son of Goose. Oh, he's great. Uh, is one of my like, go, the, the, if he's in something, I want to see him. He was in Whiplash. We played the driven drummer and it, it, Whiplash is fantastic. If you haven't seen it, if you like music, if you're a music person at all, you're going to absolutely love it. Um, and there's a I can't remember what network it's on. It might be on Paramount, might be on HBO. It's, you know, they're, they're all a mix. But there's a uh, fictionalized account of how the movie The Godfather got made, mm. told by the producer of The Godfather. And they admit that it's based on, you know what I mean? So they take some license. Yeah, yeah. But there's still, there's also a lot of truth. And so I love, you know, The Godfather, one of the greatest movies of all time. And I love, and he plays the producer and he makes it, he's fantastic. So it's got Miles Teller. It's got Jets. For people who like Tom Cruise, it's got Tom Cruise. Uh, it's, <laughs> Jennifer uh, Connelly. Don't it's forget. got Jennifer Connelly. Uh, it's uh, it was, uh, that one thing I will say, the, the hottie quotient was a little light for a jet fighter movie. There should have been some beach volleyball scene somehow worked in there. That's there that's was the a, there was a beach football scene, but, but there was guys. You know. It was almost yeah, all guys. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There should have been some gratuitous. They had to buzz the, the you know, the Swedish. You do Bikini remember the first Top Gun, right? Where the yeah. beach volleyball scene was all guys. That's true, it was. But they also had some attractive lady type people in that one. No, well. they had one, Kelly McGillis. That was it. Well, and Meg Ryan. Yeah, they had. They, and they also yeah. had some other scene, like uh, checking people out. But, you know, you're absolutely, I mean, obviously the first one was very, uh, let's put it this way. There was a subculture of men who like men who really liked that movie. I'll, oh, yeah. Uh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Well, this movie is for everyone. And I hope the New Hampshire Journal podcast is for everyone, too. Please share it with your friends. Give it ratings, five stars on stuff on uh, Amazon. Also, a thank you to the people who are celebrating our, uh, our uh, journalistic prowess from the New Hampshire Public Press Association by signing up for uh, our subscription, $4.99 a month for the newsletter. No, the newsletter is still free. 
but we urge you to pay for it for it anyway, so we can keep doing it. And you can do all that at nhjournal.com. And thanks again to Dr. Bruce Houghton at perfectsmiles.com as well. Uh, how can we track down the great work you're doing at the Josiah Bartlett Center, Drew? It is all online at jbartlett.org. So go check that out. And I realize I forgot to mention when people can find the new radio show. Oh, it is right. on. It is on WFAE, 1370 AM and 99.9 .9 FM, starting next Monday, June 20th. So don't tune in today. Next Monday, 6 AM, we'll be live. And we're going to make mistakes. So if you want to hear, just tune in and you'll definitely hear us screw up the first week. So um, that should be fun. I, it won't be great radio till I hear you shouting on the air, turn on the mic, just turn on the mic, <laughs> which is uh, was one of my classics in, uh, in talk radio. He's Drew Klein. I'm Michael Graham. This is nhjournal.com. Thanks so much for listening.